I invite you to pray with me. Lord, I thank you that you are in the habit of leading your people. And just as you led those magi with a star, you lead us today. And I ask, Lord, that we would not just be led, but also find and find you and like the magi, rejoice exceedingly with great joy. Lord, thank you for this new year. And I pray now that you'd help me as I share the vision you've laid on my heart. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. It's my hope this morning to refresh you, to give you a drink of refreshing cool water that will help. I think you need it. And I know that because I need it. And I went into a prayer retreat this past week for two days just needing that. And the Lord was so good and refreshed me. This has been a year of suffering, 2020. The past year has been a year of suffering. And the human, the natural human tendency of us is to avoid suffering at all costs. And if we can't avoid it, have some technique to manage it until we get through it. It's not natural for us to actually press into it. How many times have you said or heard somebody say, I'm so done with 2020? Heather showed me a meme uh, that was a picture of a glass of white wine, and the caption under it said, some people see this and say the glass is half full, others say half empty, but in 2020, we say, who peed in my glass? <laughs> I know it's crass, but that's the attitude of kind of everyone right now. We want to just pretend 2020 didn't happen, and we want to get back to whatever our normal was, not the new normal, the old normal. We just want to get through it, and we want to quickly move But we fail then, I think, to learn something from the suffering. Suffering is very useful, actually, because it reveals strengths and weaknesses. And I wonder, in your life this year, or in the last 12 months, have you stopped to consider what the suffering is doing to help you, how it's teaching you? Now, today I want to talk about strengths and weaknesses, but not in that order. I'm going to talk about weaknesses first. And suffering has this benefit, and that what it does is it, it puts pressure on things that expose what's already there. And to borrow an analogy from Keller's book on marriage, it's like an old concrete bridge with stress fractures in it, and then a 10-ton truck drives across it. The truck doesn't break the bridge or even cause the fractures, but the pressure causes them to open up. You start to see the cracks because this extra pressure has been put on there. Take, for instance... A person, a man or woman in a high-stress situation, a regular high-stress situation, who manages it on a good day with prayer and exercise, but on a bad day with alcohol and media binges or worse. Now, cancel church and close the gym. What happens? Or think of a marriage that has terrible communication, that day-to-day gets by by having lots of outside social interaction and overworking. Now, enforce social distancing, close down work, and have to work from home. What happens? Or take a person who's insecure and manages that by frequently posting boasts about their kids' athletic or academic prowess on the internet. Cancel sports and make all the classes go online. What happens? Or take a person who's uh, prone to fear and anxiety 
and have them watch any news source for the last 12 months. What happens? I could keep going with examples like this. I could give you lots more, but you get the point. I don't need to. And frankly, you have another example, a real one. Just simply look at your life and what got exposed by the suffering and the stress of the situation. It's a real scenario. And it's bringing out things that we all would rather not see in our own hearts, our own lives. But God is, uh, has allowed this to come. The pandemic didn't surprise him. He didn't say, oh, no, I had no idea. He has allowed this to come into our lives. And I would suggest because he loves us. The Lord loves us enough to let these things get exposed and then redeems the suffering by using it to grow us in character. I promised you I was going to try and give you a refreshing drink this morning, and, um, and I, 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 I'm going there now. So before addressing strengths, though, I want to talk about vision, because this is Vision Sunday. And um, our vision as a church is four words. Do you know what they are? Thank you, staff person in the front row. Jordan, well done. That's a test of me, by the way, not you, how well I've communicated our vision. It's on the banner. You drove past it on the way in. Extending grace, discipling generations. And as I sought the Lord for a word, which I always do on Vision Sunday, I go to the Lord and I say, what would you have as an overarching theme or a word for us as we engage in ministry this coming calendar year? And um, the word that I got this, this year was... It is about extending grace, but this year it's extending grace internally. It's about bringing good news to ourselves, to ministering to our own congregation and those that God is sending to us. Not that we won't do outreach stuff, we will have that, but the focus is going to be to slow down a bit and go inward, go deeper. Because if you have an ounce of ambition like I and many of us do, you know that right now, this pressure in the world has opened up the hearts of spiritually unconvinced people. They're open to considering, what does God have to say? Where is God in the midst of my struggle? And that makes me want to go, we're going to run the biggest alpha program ever. We're going to tell people the good news. We're going to get the entire church membership to lead and serve and work and basically jump over our own moment to learn and go deeper and get busy serving out. And I don't think that's good. I can't do it, and nor can you. We just can't do that right now. Not yet. We're not quite ready. We have inner work to do first. You've heard the phrase, an inch deep but a mile wide, oftentimes used of larger churches. They have all these people and all these programs, but their spirituality tends to be an inch deep, but they're a mile wide in breadth. I want us to go deep. I believe the Lord wants us to press in this year and then those other things will come. We go deep first, and then we can go wider. One of the things I read this week on my retreat was that we need, we, meaning a Christian, needs to preach the gospel to him or herself every day. There's a tendency among Christians to think the gospel is for people that don't yet know the Lord, but that's not true. The gospel is for sinners, and that is everyone. In 1 Timothy 1.15, the Apostle Paul calls himself the foremost of sinners, And he says this, and this is one of the comfortable words from our liturgy, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom, it goes on, it says, of whom I am the foremost. The Apostle Paul considered himself the foremost of sinners. 
we need to remind ourselves daily of the good news. He doesn't say, I was the foremost of sinners. I am the foremost of sinners. Paul put him in that, himself in that group of people that need the gospel daily. And here's a, a synopsis, a summary of the good news. That on the cross, Jesus has already put away all of your sins. All of them. And on top of that, he has credited you with the righteousness of Christ. So when God looks at you, he does not see all the sin that still resides. He sees the righteousness of Christ. We don't go to him as a judge any longer because he's judged our sins already. We go to him as a father. He sees us as guiltless in Christ. And we have a hard time dealing with that. We want to say, but. And don't say, but. Just accept that. And recognize the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 said, I know what's inside. I do the very thing I don't want to do. I'm in this internal struggle. And he goes on for half the chapter describing that. And then he comes to a, a, a verse that you should memorize, Romans 8.1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's forgiven your sin. And this does two really important things for us. One is it gives us the ability to take what is being revealed, the stress fractures, if you will, what is being revealed by the suffering and the pressures of life and in this season and go straight to God with them and say, you know, this is true about me. And since I'm going to him as a father who has already judged my sin and credited me with Christ's righteousness and counts me guiltless, I don't have to soften it in any way before God. I can be totally candid and honest about the darkness I see in my heart. And God says, okay, now we're going to work on this one together. And he's going to do this work in you and with you and through you. The other thing that it does, in addition to making us not hold back in being honest with God, is it makes us gracious with other people. You know the expression, there but by the grace of God go I? When we see someone who is falling into a pit of sin, we're tempted to want to point our fingers at them and judge them. But there but by the grace of God go I means the only reason I'm not in that same pit with that person is because God's grace has held me from that. But I've got something over here I'm dealing with. And by focusing on that, I have grace for everybody else that's struggling with whatever they're struggling with. Now, in this coming year, as we get vaccines and as the numbers go down, which will eventually happen, I don't know how long it'll take, some will be quicker than others to return. And I've already heard the temptation to say, oh, yeah, those people that are still online and aren't here with us, the real worshipers, they're just lazy. They like having their coffee and sitting in their pajamas and doing church on the couch. Or they're gripped with fear. They're struggling with a fear or an anxiety problem or they have a health problem or we don't know. And so you know what we do? We extend grace. Or guess what? Maybe they actually are dealing with laziness. And that's the thing that God is exposing through this season. Again, there but by the grace of God go I. And you know, the only response that we ought to have is this. How are you holding up? How's it going? How can I pray for you? So glad to see you. Those kind of things. That's extending grace. And I will say, Grace Anglican Church has been really good about extending grace to other people. It's, it's really been a hallmark of the heart of this church. And yet, we're all tired. We're all weary. It's been a season of suffering. And so, you know, our reserves are down. And the word that I would like to call you to this year is to have extra grace for one another, to care for people, 
And whether it's the newcomer that God is sending to us or people that have long time been members, think back to the last small group you were in or the last ministry you were in that somebody was a part of and you haven't seen for nine months. Well, send them an email, give them a call, reach out to them, extend grace to them. This is going to be a rebuilding year in many ways. But that's our vision as a church. It's about extending grace. And we are going to extend grace out, but part of it is extending grace in in this season. That's our vision. Now, I want to talk about strengths. And one of the things about suffering is that when things start shaking, what is unshakable starts to also become obvious. You see things that are good, that are strong. And I'm going to give you a list of some things. And these are the easy ones to count. I recognize that strength is not limited to numbers and demographics and, you know, ministry statistics, but these are indicators of things. And I I want to say that throughout COVID-19, a lot of our team and our leaders have recognized this as not just a problem, but an opportunity. And so we never stop doing morning prayer. Monday through Friday, through the whole thing, we've been praying for the church. We've been praying for you. We've been praying for ourselves. We found that our leaders were ready to adapt, and uh, someone came to me and said, hey, we need a better camera system. Here's $10,000. Buy better cameras and a computer system and a controller and the whole thing. And so we have a better camera system, and now we're able to extend the gospel out every Sunday, even after the pandemic's over. It's been incredible. And then once we had a camera system, we looked over and said, wow, our music area is really inadequate. And church is going to be shut down for a while. It's a good time to do a construction project. So our people built that whole area, those choir risers, raised up the music area. All of that work was done in-house except for the finished flooring, the carpet and the wood on the risers, the sides, the railings, all the structure was done. And most of it was paid for by church members, some of the team. Our people went, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's use this opportunity. And before the pandemic, we were averaging about 539 people on a Sunday, and now we've, we're below half of that. And I'm grateful for that because, because of the improvements, we've been able to honor what the CDC recommendations are. We're able to love our neighbors by being extra cautious, by spreading out. We have a 500-seat sanctuary, and so we're able to get lots of room and not um, offend and not seem self-interested. Thank you, by the way, for wearing those annoying masks. They're important. It says something about our participation in the general society. It's good and important. And it allowed us to honor what our, our bigger community was doing and protect people. We hosted two newcomers lunches. Do you know 10 families officially joined our church during the shutdown? And there are more that have really come alongside us that I don't even know about yet. We'll find out. We baptized eight individuals from six families. We attempted three outdoor services. One got rained out in August, but we did two later in the fall, and we learned something. We can get everybody together in the parking lot, and we, couldn't, we can't do that in this church. So that's not just during the pandemic. We learned a new ministry thing that we'll use going forward. I'm excited about that. We continued to care for those on our critical care list. Um, we had probably uh, two to three personal prayer appointments over Zoom every week the entire time. We learned to use Zoom. 70 couples went through the marriage course in Zoom. Um, Youth and children's ministry resumed very quickly, as did getting back to three Sunday services. And we set a personal record on Christmas for having five services, a record I hope to never do again. (laughs) But we did that to make room. Based on what we were seeing here, we didn't want to have people unduly exposed. And so we had 600 people show up, but over five services, that was really spread out. 
And we had 58 kids in the pageant, but that was at two pageants. So we were able to double down and spread out and make room and do it in a safe way. And to my knowledge, come see me if this is not correct in your experience, but to my knowledge, no one who has COVID that I know thinks they got it from a church-related event. And I thank God for that. I hope that remains the case. Two last stats, and you know, they're, they're money-related. General operations giving was down by $95,000. However, spending was down by over $100,000. And at the end of the year, when we compare income to expenses, we landed $47,000 in the black. I praise God for that. And that doesn't count giving to the church plants. It doesn't count giving directly to the mortgage that people made special offerings to pay down our mortgage and a number of other things. And that is so exciting. It's it's abundance for others in inaction. One last thing. Uh, We took advantage of the favorable markets. Sandy Treffinger on our vestry said, hey, let's not wait until our mortgage has to be refinanced again. Let's go to the bank right now and renegotiate. And so we did, and they gave us a new loan. And so it dropped from five and a quarter percent to four and a quarter percent with different terms, and it'll be fixed for the next seven years, and then it gets adjustable for three, and then it's done. So if we do nothing else, in 10 years, we will be without a mortgage. We will own all of our property. But I'm convinced that we're going to get rid of that before then. I think we can do it in seven or less years and not even have to see the adjustable rate happen. By the way, you can always make a gift directly to the principal. You just send it in and put that on the memo, and Francis takes it to the bank. So I could keep going with stats of things we've done. And again, they don't show the true strength of this church, but they do indicate certain things. This is in a season when churches are closing down, when people are scattering, when um, ministries are coming to an end. And I think we're going to come out of this thing actually stronger than we went into it. We won't know for sure until it's totally done, but I I praise God for that. He's been so kind to us, and you've been generous, and you've been involved. Now, the word I brought last Vision Sunday was this, that we were going to create a culture of invitation and hospitality. And I think it's still with us. We started into that alpha thing. You guys had gotten, you'd made, you turned the corner on alpha and realized alpha is the tool that this church uses to take the gospel to our neighbors, friends, family that don't have a church and don't know God. We had 95 guests signed up. It was the record number of those that had no church and weren't Christians. And we got five weeks into it, and then everything had to shut down. We'll get back to that. But I think right now the culture of invitation and hospitality is still with us, and it's for bringing back our people. It's for caring for those in need. It's it's for going inward. And it's also a season of engaging with the suffering, of being willing to ask God, what are you teaching me through this season of suffering? We're going to go deeper so that we can later then go wider. And I just think this is an exciting time. So I want you to lean into the suffering. So where were we? We were a church that was moving with a lot of momentum. Some of it God-generated, but some of it human-generated. Every year for five years, getting stronger, 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 faster, more, and then God just sucked all the air out of the room. All the momentum was gone. And we were in this place of, okay, Lord, um, now what? And it was a season of suffering. And I think that we are going to go deeper so that eventually we can go wider. Now, let me close with an encouraging word from the Lord. Again, from the comfortable words from our liturgy. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thanks be to God for his grace.
Let's pray before we sing a sermon response song. Lord, I'm so thankful for Grace Anglican Church. Thank, thank you for your presence in the midst of us. Thank you for all of the faithful people here, all of those that you're drawing to yourself through this church. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage to preach the truth of the gospel to ourselves and come to you with the things that have been revealed in this season of suffering. Lord, we don't like it, but we thank you that you discipline the ones you love. And as a heavenly father, you're inviting us to go deeper with you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.